Hello, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. This is the hometown daily news show, but I think my no, it's correct. It's Saturday, October 15th, 2022. I've already selected a bunch of articles just in case you're stumbling into my stream for the first time. Hello. And uh, I talk about the news. My aggregator, that thing right there, uh, collects hundreds of articles every 24 hours and uh, I go over all of the news. Grab about 10 headlines. I actually submit them over to a thing called Showbot as well so that you can vote on articles that you might find are interesting. So if you go exclamation point Showbot, you can actually go to hometown.showbot.tv and vote on the articles that I'm going to be throwing into chat and you can say yay or nay because I'll include those as I go through the news. If I find something that matches something that has been voted up enough, then I'll, uh, I'll include it. You know, not necessarily everything popularity driven, but uh, I am interested in all of these topics. That's why I aggregate them. Um, the way that hometown works is it reaches out to about 200 sources, uh, some smaller, some larger, all of it, publicly accessible information and I don't uh, screen scrape it. I throw them into six main categories, create news, education, entertainment, social, and technology, mostly the tech side of things. Cause I'm really kind of a tech head. I mean, I love everything about technology and I go out and I speak um, in the public and to uh, commercial businesses um, about technology. And I try and get people to become more, tech savvy and uh, allow the workers that are enabling the workplace to actually exist because you can't make a business unless you've got employees and that's where the rubber hits the road folks but work-life balance means something to me so I want technology to kind of pervade the work-life space and make it easier so that Instead of busting your humps 10 hours a day, trying to make ends meet while the Ferrari from the CEO pulls up um, and you are still, well, you're five minutes late, so you have to pee into a bottle. Well, I want technology to come and replace as much as possible so workers can focus on the things that require workers, right? Make life easier. Workers can get paid more doing less, but making more stuff for the business. As our efficiency has increased over the years, pay has not matched. Only the demand that we make more. But we're not making more in cash. We're not putting better food on the table. We're not getting bigger or better houses. We're not getting a better work-life balance. I think it's time for it to change. And I grew up in that space. And there is ample evidence now that people who go to business school and take over businesses, MBAs primarily, they don't make the business more effective, more capable. They actually suppress wages and concentrate wealth into the C-suite and, st and stockholders. Some people can play that game, but most people can't. Most people are working. Not necessarily going to have a retirement fund either, the way that things keep looking inflation going up cost of living going up everything going up except for salary 
Why do you think unions are forming so fast and furious? It's because there's no bargaining power, no capability to tell the suppliers of the jobs, hey, we, we are important. We matter. Let's fix this crap, right? Well, I don't talk about just that. I talk about the crossroads of business, technology, and society. I talk about gaming. I talk about makerspace stuff. I talk about music. I talk about all kinds of stuff because that's just how I am. And I think other people might like it too. So if you go over to hometown.com, you can become a citizen, follow the channels that you're interested in. I'm still working on stuff, so it's not as effective and efficient as I want it to be. Um, but there's different channels. Each one of these channels I intend to bring to Twitch. So if you are interested in something, stick around, let me know. Uh, and vote on the news as it comes through. So let's get into today's news. Again, I already got 10 articles on deck ready to go. About 45 pages or so of news came in. And a page is about yay long there. So, yeah. I use this site in my uh, daily life. I feel like uh, legally blonde there. I, I use legal jargon in my daily life. Yeah, I actually use this throughout the day. Um, but here's the news. So the first article is over in the uh, Daily News Show channel. That's this show, um, one of 50, like I said, that I want to bring to Twitch. And there's the first article. So it's actually going to get thrown over to a show bot by a bot called Nightbot. Um, and then you can just type in, and you can actually do this too. I mean, if you want to, you can actually hit exclamation point S and then say something. Yo, and that'll get thrown into that as well. I parse all of it. So does anybody else that types in showbot or uh, hometown.showbot.tv. And uh, we can talk about whatever it is you throw in there. I'll delete the stuff that is, you know, whatever. Um, not appropriate, uh, but, you know, don't make it so that we can't have nice things. At any rate... The first article is in the Daily News show. The GOP is a cultish, destructive, fascist organization, not a legitimate political party. I don't really like it where it's everything is thrown into that. But that is the nature of common dreams. And while the party might be, and to a degree, I agree, uh, Tom Hartman here is saying the GOP has no unifying philosophy other than hate, fear, kowtowing to billionaires and the giant corporations that people make up its governing class are similarly fractured. No, I think the GOP is fractured and nobody wants to walk away from money. So money, power, influence, it all is in the GOP, just like money, power, influence is in the Democratic Party. Nobody wants to walk away from either because there isn't as much anywhere else. So the ragtag team sticks together go along or get along to go along. Well, this person goes into a, a long diatribe about how it's all kind of taken over. And I agree it has taken over, but nothing's going to change that dynamic until somebody with a more level head either has the authority capability to kick out people that are wing nuts and taking over through vitriol and anger and hate and whatever else let's not get into the the racism and the nepotism and the 
theocratic fascism and plutocracy elements of it and so on and so forth. We can, we can just kind of say, yeah, it's, it's broken. And the phrase is a few bad apples, right? People just leave it there. Yeah. It's only a few bad apples. The whole saying is a few bad apples spoil the bunch and the bunch is spoiled. And while somebody might try and paint a pretty picture, there's always a joke whenever I see Mitch McConnell, uh, but I will, I'll filter it out. If the rest of the apples don't fix the problem, they too will spoil. So it's time for the GOP to clean up its act, but it can't because it's powered by sociopaths. It's powered by people who don't care about anybody else except for their very focused silo of uh, drum beaters for their own purpose. Not, not everybody, not the plurality of people. They don't want openness and equity and inclusion. They want theirs and screw everybody else, including the people that are within the party. <laughs> if you aren't 100% on board, then you're an enemy. Let's move on to the next article. Um, the next article is in the Stock Marketeers channel, Bernanke's Nobel Prize is harmful because it rewards faulty thinking on how banks actually work. Um, I had read similar to this uh, on another site. It's usually how it works. Um, I stumble across this as I'm doing other things, and then I stumble across this when I'm uh, getting ready for the show. Central bankers, including former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, ignored the buildup of leverage prior to the great financial crisis. This is relating to 2007-2008. Um, and that is happening again. So I, this is what I highlighted. Because um, I, I saw this article and I said, well, I want to draw attention to this. This is in reference to the great financial crisis. And that what is happening now is a run-up to a similar great financial crisis. I don't think that's what's happening this time. I don't think that this is leverage. I don't think that this is risk. What is happening today is that there is a lot of money in the system and the people that are providing the means to get uh, raw materials, the producers and the means of getting to and from a location, oil and gas companies, they are raising, oh, and artificial uh, uh, my brain just went blank. Um, there's other reasons which are about, um, basically preventing a, a better supply chain from picking back up to pre pandemic levels, um, and limiting the amount of production from these other locations. And we're going to get to an article where I'm, I'm calling it now. It makes zero sense, zero sense for them to do this, but it's going to happen. Um, and it's going to feed into a problem with their vehicles, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but in this particular case, Ben Bernanke, um, 
received the Nobel Prize. But it says here, central bankers, including former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, ignored the buildup of leverage prior to the great financial crisis. Well, again, I think that it is largely because you can look at it in the past. You know, you can you, you can look back and say, well, they missed this, they missed that, they missed that. But where were you at the time? Who were you yelling at? Like, this is wrong. There's something wrong here. Something's going on here, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody is talking about <laughs> trailing indicators. The model of banking beloved of mainstream economists says that the banks channel savings from households to businesses. Households make deposits, which they are able to withdraw on demand. Banks lend out a proportion of those deposits to productive enterprises for long-term investment. Banks are assumed to be purely passive intermediaries and as a result are often omitted from economic models. Except what happened in 2007 and 2008 is a plurality of banks did very risky lending because they saw that they could fraction off the higher the risk tranches of mortgages, literally taking a mortgage and chopping it up into levels of risk and then selling it off. There was some dipshit that was actually rewarded for this policy, for this product. They, people raved about how, how positive this was. Well, it's stupid. It absolutely is stupid, but nobody was held accountable. The resolution to this was the federal government mandated that all of the banks were forced to take loans. That's, that is what I was told. And that there were several banks that didn't need this. They didn't require the money, but they were all told you had to take it because if you didn't, it would perceive that the others are the weaker and it would disrupt the market. And just look how fast some banks paid it all back. While everybody was under the guise of being threatened by a market collapse, stock markets for bank or the stock tickers for banks collapsed. And I know of a couple that didn't need that money because if you look at their history and if you look at their documents holistically, they were fine. Uh, models that ignore bank credit creation or worse, omit banks completely as Bernanke's paper with Gertler and Gilchrist on how credit markets propagate shocks through the economy does cannot possibly explain how financial crises happen. And why are they, why they are so devastating? The federal government absorbed that risk and made it a public risk, but made private profit. And that needs to stop. If my business fails because I run it into the ground, there isn't anything that comes out and saves it. I could sit there and file chapter seven, but I still owe creditors. And I can't even discharge it all. At some point, me as the the uh, the principal owner of a company, I have the liability of my debts to a degree. 
Well, during the great financial crisis, banks stopped lending. Bernanke, the chairman of the Federal Reserve at the time, knew a sudden stop in bank lending was a major contributor to the Great Depression. So worried about another depression, he decided he had to get banks lending again. The mainstream model of banking says that the more money banks have, the more loans they'll make. Obviously, therefore, the best way to prevent a depression was to give banks money. This was the original rationale for quantitative, quantitative easing. It was supposed to make banks lend. Well, all it did was end up giving, concentrating the wealth into the executive suite. Meanwhile, the workers lost their house. Let's move on. So the next article is what Elon Musk has said publicly and in private texts about X, his idea for an everything app. Um, I actually, this uh, last couple of weeks have been talking about this, not this, but the simple fact that there is social credit in China. Everybody pretty much uses WeChat. That's the vehicle by which everything transpires, purchases, changing money, obtaining information, etc. If Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter closes, the billionaire will have taken the first step towards something he calls X, which he already had a domain for. X became uh, PayPal. His vision for a new kind of social media platform that most in the U.S. haven't experienced before. And I would never in a million years take it. The only way anybody should be encouraging this <laughs> is if you are 100% on board with things like um, Facebook monitoring every beep, fart, and whistle that you make. And now Elon Musk. And I stand by my claim that the more money a person makes, the more sociopathic they become. You are nothing but an object, an identifier with a, a, a rate of return that's required for you to exist for free on the, on the platform. Hey, that's fine for business, but not for all of society. Everybody should be, anybody in business should be competing for customers. Having this super app where everything, and I can bet on it. I, I can count on it. Like there's going to be a sunrise tomorrow. There will be exclusive offers that Musk or others will pay companies to produce something to draw people in. It won't be anywhere else. I really hate exclusivity stuff. When there are a plurality of platforms that everybody can make money on and you can put your product everywhere. And I guarantee you again, I make another guarantee. I can't really stand by it. I don't know how to, to make that happen. But if you sell your product on all of the platforms, you'll make more money than the exclusivity of making uh, selling it on one platform. It's how it works. You're going to hit more people. You might draw some over, but you're only going to get a short term, big check. 
And then you have to do the long tail anyway, as people find out about your product elsewhere. And then you have to break down and actually start selling it in other places. That's just how it works. But you'll get bought and sold outright by a billionaire who says, hey, I will give you $10 million for your product. But you can't sell it anywhere else. So you either say bye bye to your baby and let somebody like Musk take it over. Fine, $10 million, a billion dollars. I don't know what somebody's ticket is, but you know, a billionaire will sit there and drop that money in your lap. It's up to you to make the decision. Eh, some people will. So Grace K over at Business Insider is the author of this article. And it says the billionaire has drawn inspiration for the idea from the popular Chinese super app WeChat. That's what I was talking about. Uh, here's everything we know about Musk's plan for X and Twitter. So. <laughs> sorry, I don't know what just happened. Um, outside my office. Um, anyway, uh, X wouldn't be the first app trying to do a bit of everything. In fact, Musk indicated in May uh, might look for inspiration from Tencent's WeChat, the Chinese social media juggernaut. That's one of the largest super apps in the world. Um, basically, I think uh, whatever they say in this article, it amounts to he wants to end up using Twitter as the foundation of X because there's a lot of communication that takes place, making money off of, uh, from Twitter via all alternative uh, methods, including charging some users to be on the site while Twitter has begun uh, charging some users for special features through Twitter blue. The Tesla CEO has been critical of it in April. He said that users of the premium subscription should pay $3 per month and immediately get a verified account. All right. I'd pay $5 a month so that I don't have any ads and I'm verified, but it doesn't mean anything. These two look like peas in a pod. Anyway, what I think is going to happen is if he does end up buying Twitter, he's going to essentially make it private do a bunch of whatever but i think it's going to be junk at the end of the day you can't stamp out ideology you just can't it doesn't work that way you can try and shut it all off in a silo but that's what you're going to end up with a silo look at every other social network where it forces people to follow or adhere to a particular ideology it barely makes ends meet if it does and you have to rely on the goodwill of donations to, hey, I really like this. That's It just doesn't work, folks. It just doesn't work. And Twitter is a plurality of people from around the world with different ideologies, different mindsets, different ways of thinking. All of that is the same thing. Different ideologies. Nothing will fix Twitter because there's nothing wrong with Twitter other than it's very difficult to remove bots, but you're not going to change that unless you figure out a way to detect bots without 
a doubt that they are bots. You're not going to change Twitter. You'd have to shut it down <laughs> to stop Twitter. The next article is Apple's going to see another record-breaking fourth fiscal quarter. Apple's on track to beat Wall Street's fourth fiscal quarter expectations and quarterly revenue records as JP Morgan forecasts a revenue of $90 billion for the company. Just a couple of days ago, people were poo-pooing Apple as being not innovative and uh, the Mac Pro landing flat and blah, 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 blah. They were talking about something 12 years ago for crying out loud. And now they still don't know what they're talking about, but Apple will see record. <laughs> they're hitting it out of the park and their margins are great. And they've got a secure supply chain. And if they have to, they will spend their money and pull a fab into the United States. That's specifically to build their chips. I think that's their next step. Andrew Orr over at Apple Insider um, wrote this article and uh, it says in a note to investors seen by Apple Insider analysts from JP Morgan forecast revenue of 90 billion for Apple that beats the present Wall Street consensus of 88.6. Apple earned 83.4 billion in its fourth quarter of 2021 well we're coming out of the pandemic and people like what they see with the watch and with the new phone and new ipads and the m1 m2 people are ready to spend some money they were spending money on tech during the pandemic why should just Gas companies and oil companies make record profits during the pandemic. Apple will do it too. I just think that Apple should pull things back into the U.S. Um, but their margins will be smaller. The forecast suggests year-over-year -year growth revenue of 8% boosted by Apple shipping the iPhone 14 series earlier in September than it did with the iPhone 13. So they got more in the books by the time that they had to shut down and reconcile the iPhone 14 Pro models are still in high demand, according to the report in October 2nd. Delivery times for the iPhone 14 Pro Pro Max average across all regions, two days, 33 days, 40 days, respectively. Yeah, because everybody wanted the Pro Max. And I don't know how much artificial scarcity was in place, you know, could they have produced more of these faster? Could the price have been $100 cheaper? Yeah. Let's move on. The next article is Education Department launches beta version of student loan forgiveness application. And depending on what types of loans and how much money you make, how much money you make in a family, you may not qualify for anything. So a beta test of the application. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Cheyenne Hazlitt and Arthur Jones II over at abcnews.go.com wrote this article. People with federal loans can apply for up to $20,000 of debt relief. And a beta test launched yesterday. So you'll have to do a search. I don't have the link. I don't think there's a link in this article. I'm sure that they've kind of left it off. 
um, but you can do a search for student loan forgiveness program. Um, a beta test of the application for student loan relief went live on Friday evening, launching the Biden administration's sweeping program to cancel student debt for tens of millions of Americans. Kicking $20,000 from your student loans would definitely solve the two-year problem. But if you've gone on to bachelor's or master's or even PhD, the argument is that you're going to be making enough, but not everybody went into, you know, profiteering sectors. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, teachers be damned. Um, and not all teachers qualify. Uh, the Department of Education's test application is a long awaited first step in the policy announced in late August, allowing people with federal student loans to apply for up to $20,000 of debt relief. Well, the debt relief covers anyone who makes less than $125,000 in 2020 or 2021 tax year or less than $250,000 as a couple. So quick, if you're married, <laughs> get divorced, marry somebody who doesn't make somewhere that pushes you over the $250,000 limit. Then get in a time machine and bring them with you so that you can fix the problem that it's 2020 or 2021 tax year. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just babbling. Anyway, so, but there are a subset of borrowers who are ruled out of the program in a late change by the Biden administration as it tried to dodge lawsuits. Anyone with Perkins loan or a federal family education loan, both loans that are guaranteed by the federal government, but handled by private banks can no longer get aid. So you Perkins owners, you're screwed too. Hobble, hobble, hobble. It's okay. Banks, not a problem. You can get public money. Even though you're getting record profits, you can get public money, but the public can't get public money. Not across the board. No. That's not allowed. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, that one's uh, Sandmark releases titanium edition band for the Apple Watch Ultra. If you haven't seen the Apple Watch Ultra, it is a chonky boy. Or a chonky thing, I guess. And uh, now it has a titanium watch. Let's go check it out. I'm just going to jump straight over to it. Look at that. Andrew Orr over at AppleInsider.com has a picture of this titanium watch, and it looks pretty damn sharp. I like it. Um, yeah, I would say that it's probably a lightweight titanium watch. The engineering looks spectacular. It's nice and sharp and clean. Uh, obviously, titanium, it's going to be uh, fully capable of uh, taking a beating. It says it features the 316L grade stainless steel for the connectors that attach the band to the Apple Watch Ultra, but the rest of it is titanium. Uh, made from commercially pure grade two titanium resistant to corrosion and oxidation. The company says that it's a lightweight for, uh, band for on the go adventures because well, yeah, it's not even that expensive. Titanium edition band is only 200 bucks from Sandmark. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. Um, and you can watch, uh, you can use the watch as a dive computer. And there's software that's coming out that's actually going to be adding to its feature set. So pretty neat. Uh, I want an Apple Ultra watch, but uh, I'm holding off. 
I'll wait for the next version. If I even bother, I don't know. Let's go on to the next article. Uh, this engineering sandbox is already so complex you can build games inside its demo. This is in the Warcrafters channel. They say restrictions breed creativity, a completely blank page, or a directionless pile of building blocks can be an intimidating thing, and that feeling hit the author full force when they loaded up the demo of Plasma, a sci-fi building game coming to early access next year. But they forgot, or but as they got uh, acclimated to the uh, surroundings and systems, they found some helpful constraints that pushed them toward a satisfying loop of tinkering and tweaking. I want this game. Um, looks pretty neat. So Russell Adderson over at PCGamer.com wrote this article. Plasma won't be out in, uh, in full next year but its demo already lets you build wild stuff and import other players' creations. They say that it breeds creativity, I guess trapped inside a house for two years. That might breed some creativity. Even in demo form, Plasma gives you robust building uh, systems to build your own structures, robots, worlds. There are hundreds of components and all of them can be customized. There's also a visual programming language you can use to control and manipulate almost every mechanical component. This is beautiful. I dig this. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is pretty neat. The visual programming language is pretty intuitive, but it makes them wonder if there will be some kind of manual released with Plasma because it's extremely detailed. The devs put an arcade cabinet in the tutorial with a functioning version of Pong in it, programmed entirely using in-game tools. They also found the cabinet with a simplified version of Space Invaders when they went poking around in the corners of the starter world. This looks like fun. Um, we'll have to go and look it up. So it's called Plasma. Apparently there's a demo out right now. Go look it up. I will see you there. The next article, though, is uh, in the Smack Talk channel. Uh, must be from a Mac-oriented site um, that my aggregator grabbed it. My aggregator's name uh, is Gatherer, and it goes out and it finds a bunch of articles uh, based on my requirements. And it says here, details have emerged of the new Netflix basic with ads steaming plan. But I think that's supposed to be streaming plan <laughs> that they have a typo. Um, Netflix is a new basic with ads plan will include most of the company's entire catalog of TV shows and movies, although some won't be available at first due to licensing restrictions. <laughs> Such an ass thing. Viewers will see four to five minutes of ads per hour with each ad running from 15 to 30 seconds in length. And ads will play before and during shows and movies. Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Andrew Orr over at appleinsider.com is the author of this article. Um, I wish that there that this didn't exist, but if you're not going to pay, then you have to suffer a standard or premium plan. <clears throat> um, but that is the way it is. Uh, you either um, pay for something or, or you don't get access to it. And uh, you, ads are the form of payment. So you can't really knock them. At least it'll be available uh, otherwise it'll be behind it will would be more behind a walled garden than ever before 
Let's move on to the next article. Really not much to say about that. The next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Valve just filed a new computer game software trademark and the rumors are already flying. So I'm really excited any, about anything that Valve kind of puts out, particularly because I always feel like VR is right on the edge of it. Uh, as much as I like the tech involved with Steam Deck, I really hate the little umbilical USB-C port on top. That, that abomination of a design. Anyway, the application, which is still being processed by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, identifies Neon Prime as pertaining to computer game software, electronic game software, video game software, uh, computer game programs downloadable via the Internet. The author's remarkable deductive powers tells them that this means that it's something to do with video games and video game software, and the Internet seems to agree. There's all kinds of rumors already that Neon Prime could be a new game or even series from Valve. Hey, that falls in the no shit news category. Neon Prime could be a new game, but it could also be almost anything else, according to Joshua Wollens, who wrote this article over at PCGamer.com. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, says the author, as tempting as it could be to make bold predictions about what Valve is up to. The number of things could fall under an umbrella of computer game software is enormous. Could be a new tool, some kind of anti-cheat, or new software doodad for the Steam Deck. But look, you can uh, you can believe that it's Half-Life Three, if that's what makes you happy. Anyway, it, has it really been? So it says, still, it's fun to speculate, right? And Valve has been incredibly active lately. Heck, they got their first Half-Life game in 13 years when Half-Life Alex released in 2020. I really dig Half-Life Alex, by the way. I'm waiting for my Pico 4 to show up so that I can play it again without a cable trying to kill me. So what do you think Neon Prime is? Come over and talk with me tomorrow. I'll be here at 6 o'clock. Let's get into the next article. Navy's Innovation Hub preps three new ideas to attract and fund small innovators. There's been always a problem with getting inside the gate. And um, for small innovators, it's almost impossible. You basically have to have a proxy that has um, historical, uh, I guess, records with, it's called past performance. But anyway, every DoD component with a hand in tech development uh, has a, a one or several organizations dedicated to the proposition that many of the Pentagon's acquisition challenges could be overcome if only there were a more frictionless way to um, pair small innovators with Uncle Sam's big pocketbook. Yes, I say that often. Um, government needs to remove friction, but friction actually creates security. Um, so I'm not surprised that, well, <laughs> fewer hands in the stew mean that means that the stew is safer. The Navy Department Innovation Hub called Naval X plans to launch several new initiatives this month to attract new companies into the defense technology innovation base and to help ensure the technologies that show the most promise won't die on the vine. This is an article over in my 
channel called For Far Weekly, which is about federal acquisition regulation. And um, it says here, when we think of what VC does well, they're kind of at the edge of certain tech stacks. The big ones like Kleiner Perkins and Sequoia are spending billions of dollars on AI and quantum computing, said Commander Nick Breedlove, Naval X's director of private capital projects. We've got scientists at the Naval uh, of, uh, sorry, the Office of Naval Research that do quantum. Well, there's more to this article, but you got to go over to federalnewsnetwork.com. It's written by Jared Serbu. And um, while I agree with much of this, a government should not be run like a business. Businesses fail. Government should not. And we're on a continuing resolution that ends in mid-December. I'd like Christmas to actually exist for those who are in government, contractors, etc. Because even if the government does shut down, there is personnel that still has to work. And you won't get paid until another resolution pops or the budget is authorized. So let's not treat this like business because business makes money. Government does not make money. Government provides services for a fixed amount of taxes. And then there is more taxes depending on if, you know, businesses and people pay what they're supposed to. Not what, what they can get away with not paying. And while a lot of people pay 25 to 33% of their taxes, sorry, of their income, upwards of 33%, the ultra rich are fighting everything. No, don't make me pay taxes. No, I can't pay taxes. I can only take money from the society that makes me rich. I can only take money. What does that have to do with this? They're going to be throwing public money at a whole bunch of different businesses. It's hinting at being like a venture fund company that or a, a venture fund. And that's largely what <clears throat> DARPA has been throwing money at what could be very powerful tools. Google was a DARPA project, for instance. What did the government learn? What is the government learning from the advent of Google? Probably nothing anymore and didn't learn much at the time. I don't know. Let's move on to the next article. The next article is actually in four wheel tech. And that's because I uh, am very interested in vehicles and I'm interested in technology. So I created four wheel tech as a show where we could talk about the merging of the two last month. California finalized a rule that will ban the sale of new gas powered cars starting in 2035. So Moving pretty quick here. Obviously, that'll accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles and encourage other states to do the same. Oregon has already followed uh, California's lead. I think there's others that are actually doing that too. 
Um, I, I thought Washington State was, but uh, I, and I thought that Virginia, or I don't know. Now I don't know. I'll have to look. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, but less obviously spurning uh, carbon spewing vehicles could help buttress the United States' ancient creaky electrical grids. Well, in Congress, that's what's going on. There's a lot of debate in committee about the fact that the power grid can't handle all of these new vehicles. Well, then fix the problem. There's a lot of money out there. A lot more if companies would pay their due. Cars are no longer just modes of transportation. They're increasingly integrated into the larger energy infrastructure. Plus, if you let people telework, <laughs> there would be less strain on an electrical grid that has electric vehicles tapping into it because nobody would be driving as much. But all you Luddites that have to have people butt in chair demand that people drive two hours to sit in a cubicle that doesn't mean anything. They can sit at home, have the camera on and chat with everybody that else that is in the virtual room for crying out loud we do it all day long when we are off from work after work during work many of us actually work with people around the world and this camera is always powering it so why is there a big problem with not letting people telework i can't monitor um you know what monitors them work product they have duties to perform. Let them do the duties. If they do the duties in four hours, then they're done, right? You pay person X amount of time, not for working 40 hours, but for work product. If I have to do more because I have more time off, you're going to have to pay me more because it's insane that I have to work 40 hours being ultra efficient and capable and productive for the company, but I don't reap any of the rewards. I should just be happy that I've got a damn job. If your EV is still sitting in your garage fully charged and you lose power, the big battery offers an opportunity to keep the lights on. And when there's a sudden spike in demand for the grid, because everybody's turning on their AC in a heat wave, your car could actually feed back into the grid. Same thing with solar panels, but you know what? States like to tax that kind of stuff. They're paying into the grid. You should be getting paid because you're shelling out $60,000 for solar panels on your roof. You should be accommodated. Arian Marshall and Matt Simon from Wired.com wrote this article. It's actually an older article. Um, so I'm going to have to look at what's going on with uh, Gatherer and kind of poke it. That's okay. Um, now California utilities are beginning to experiment with small-scale V2G. The summer, San Diego Gas and Electric launched a five-year pilot program with the V2G technology company, I guess, Nuve, with a local school district to hook up eight school buses. The benefit is both the jumbo size of these batteries and how they're used. Buses pick up and drop off kids on a reliable schedule so they can sit idle and send energy back into the grid at predictable times. Yeah, 
I see no problem with it. We'll figure it out, but we need a robust grid. Let's not move forward because our grid can't support it. Yet we are, we are evolving past using oil and gas, but because the grid can't handle <laughs> a bunch of cars plugging in, suddenly we should just regress, just stop all innovation. I think everybody should pay taxes so that we can support evolution of society. Let's move on to the next article. This next article is in the Warcrafters channel, although it probably should be in the Reality Hacker channel, which is about VR. A while ago, the author spot spotted someone working on real-time AI image generation in VR, and they had to bring it to their to your attention uh, because frankly they can't express how majestic it, majestic it is to watch ai modulated ar shifting the world before us into glorious emergent dreamscapes let's just go straight over to this article stable diffusion vr is a startling vision of the future of gaming according to katie wickens a glimpse into real-time immersive latent space um, so I was watching another video about VR, I think it was today, um, wherein the person that was wearing it had the ability to slice out of the VR world and opening into the real world so that they could interact with the real object. Um, and that immediately made me say, why isn't there an optic that's looking at things, identifying the thing? and pulling it into the VR space with the same um, scale and distance, uh, field of view, etc., that would be in the VR world. Simply calculate what it is, do image detection and say, well, that's an apple, so let's make a virtual apple. And you could literally reach out and grab it in VR space, but it would exist in the real world. Same thing with the tables that it detects, but obviously it's something that you can decide as the owner of the VR uh, tool and software if you want it to include real world objects. But in, uh, <laughs> I'm not bound anymore by wire, so I could have VR on and it's scanning my environment, identifying things in real time, including people scaling everything so that it exists in the VR world, giving me depth perception and everything, identifying people perhaps, and creating avatars in the real world. And from there, I can interact in VR space and, a and reality. So it would be like mixed reality, but it would be truly VR without strings. What they brought to him was an amalgamation of stable diffusion VR and touch designer app building engine, the results of which he refers to, and he's Scotty Fox TTV. Um, he refers to as real-time immersive latent space. That might sound like some hippie nonsense to some, but latent space is a concept fascinating the world right now. Basically space. There's certain things about it, calming and whatnot. Um, or thought provoking. I think there's a bunch of other things that refer to what 
latent spaces. Um, while it's an interesting concept, so it says uh, at, at a base level, it's a phrase that in this context context describes the swelling potential that artificial intelligence brings to augmented reality as it pulls ideas together from the vastness of the unknown. While it's an interesting concept, it's one for a, a future or a feature at a later date. Right now, the author is interested in how stable diffusion VR manages to work so well in real time without turning any consumer GPU, even the RTX 4090, into a smoldering puddle. It doesn't take much to do image detection. Yeah. And skinning things and, and grabbing, grabbing assets and wrapping around a wire model. Diffusing small pieces in the environment saves on resources, Scotty explains. Small clips are sent from the engine to be diffused. Once ready, they're queued back into the projection. The blue boxes in the image that you see above uh, shows that uh, parts of the image being worked on by the algorithm at any one time. It's much more efficient that uh, way to than to have it working in real time or to have it working in real time. Yeah, I would I would say so. Uh, but I'm not a software engineer, um, but I know that it is. Um, we have the technology now to make it pretty easy to um, do image detection and, and do a real time uh, 3D model and skin it with an asset that is aligned with whatever that image detection is. Let's move on to the next article. This is um, the second to the last one. And if you are interested in talking about anything in particular, just let me know. Let me know, folks. I'm here. Whoops. It helps to know your own commands. Uh, BMW to axe UK production of electric mini and relocate to China. BMW is to axe all UK production of the award-winning uh, electric mini and relocate it to China, dealing a major blow uh, to hopes that Britain could be the global hub for zero emission manufacturing. Um, I can imagine that it's an environmental thing, but let's see if the article says anything about it. Sophie Zeldin O'Neill is the author of this over at The Guardian. Um, the move is a further blow to UK ambition to become a global leader in electric car manufacturing. BMW's joint venture with the Great Wall Motor wow, means their hatchback and small SUV models will now be made in East China as well as the next generation zero emission mini Aceman. Which is a, yeah, as long as it meets safety requirements, that's fine. A new electric version of the largest mini model, the Countryman, will, BMW has confirmed, be manufactured at its plant in Leipzig. The announcement follows confirmation by mini boss Stephanie Wurst uh, last week that a convertible model will join the all-new Mini Cooper range due to launch in 2024, and that it'll be coming home in 2025 with production in the UK at the Mini Oxford factory. So it comes after reports that Britain's only planned large-scale battery factory being built in uh, British Volt or by British Volt in the northeast of England will go bust if it does not receive a $200 million rescue package. Well, there you have it. It's economic. Why? Why is it going bust? Is the operating cost so much? Why are the operating costs so much? Is it because of oversight and environmental impact? Well, then we are preying on the, the 
the environment of some other country and it's going to come back and bite us in the ass. So why is it so expensive to run British Volt, but it's okay to do it in China? Tell me. Somebody contact me. Somebody tell me why British Volt can't run in the UK, but you can go and use China. Okay, well, this is the last article, and I'll move on from here. We'll be done for the day. Would you play in a first-person shooter, an FPS, with a controller if aim assist helped you, help you win more? It says more and more devs have... Uh, had to balance shooters with some players use game pads and others rock a mouse and keyboard and the latter's dominance in FPSs used to be unquestioned with uh, some PS4 players apparently turning to absurdities like the Hori Tactical Assault Commander for that MNK edge. Now though, Overwatch's controller aim assist is so good that they disabled it in PC crossplay while some players in Destiny and Apex proactively make the switch for a competitive advantage. So let's just go straight over to this article. Uh, Ted Litchfield is the author. Uh, PCGamer.com is the source. No more clicking on heads. Now everyone is goaded on the sticks. All right. So would you play an FPS with a controller if aim assist helped you win more? For me, I'm not really... I'm not the competitive one for this. I like base builder survival stuff, um, but I'll play, you know, uh, an FPS um, occasionally. I just, most of the time online, people are really trolly. Every once in a while, you find one that's um, pretty chill about things. So the editor says that they're not a competitive person. Um, there's a bunch of people um, from PC Gamer, um, and the forums actually are linked here too. You'll want to go and check out the forums one, but um, Jody McGregor says that they'd like to win. Um, Andy Chalk said uh, that they would take their PC outside, stack up the components into a nice pile, pour lighter fluid on it, and set it on fire before they played with played an FPS with a controller. Yeah. I don't like controllers. Phil Savage, UK editor-in-chief, said uh, that they wouldn't, uh, but not because of any grand noble gesture. The simple fact is that decades of playing FPSs on mouse and keyboard means that they don't have the muscle memory to easily switch to a controller. So, uh, But the question is, would you play an FPS with a controller if aim assist helped you win more? So I guess that with a controller part... Um, is the, the, the main trigger here. Yeah. I mean, most PC players just don't play console and the console is where that whole controller thing exists. So I dig aim assist, but it's only, that's me talking, uh, Mayor Watt talking. I, I dig aim assist because I'd want to have fun. And if I get close then that's fine, uh, horseshoes and hand grenades, that's kind of my motto. Uh, at least in games, I, I, I'm not here to be alpha. And uh, if you want to do uh, esports, then you have to get the right equipment. You have to know the game forward and backward, know the maps forward and backward. 
um, have a high refresh rate uh, screen that doesn't have any motion blur. Um, you have to have the cutting edge technology, you know, latest generation processor, latest generation GPU, um, SSD, fast internet, uh, just so many things play into it. You know, you have to see things and be situationally aware better than the other person. Um, aim assist won't do much for you in competition if others have aim assist as well. Um, pretty much it, it actually kind of exposes the skill set of the player even more so because I think when you get really competitive, I think aim assist probably ends up slowing you down as the assist is detecting where to fire, when to fire. Whereas somebody that's really good at esports can just aim, fire, and go and get that snap reaction going. Um, I'm not talking about aim bots in terms of the hacks that show and, and detect where people are behind obstacles. Um, you know, aim assist is a little bit different. So, um, I don't know. I, I dig aim assist, but I'm not trying to be a number one, obviously. Anyway, um, that's it for today. Again, I am Merwat. This is the hometown daily news show every day, 6 PM Eastern, uh, right here on Twitch. And then it gets spun over to YouTube and to the podcast. You can get everything everywhere. Just look around and I'm there. Do a search for uh, hometown and I think you'll find me. Thanks very much. Let me go back to the front page. And there you have it. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye bye.